This is the Luke Thomas Show podcast. You can listen to the full show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Today on the Luke Thomas Show podcast, we'll discuss who should John Jones fight next, Dominic Reyes rematch or Jan Blahovich. Plus, did Diego Sanchez quit at UFC Rio Rancho? And last but not least, we'll talk about Henry Cejudo's absolutely insane comments about Aljamain Sterling that are indefensible. The Luke Thomas Show airs weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. on Sirius XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. I had said this on Friday. I went back and I watched the very first Jan blahovich Corey Anderson fight. And in that fight, I had noticed not only did Corey Anderson beat Blahovich from pillar to post, Blahovich had lost on two judges' scorecards 30-25. Two of them. Not one, two. The other one was like a weird 29-26, but uh, all that is to say, on two of them he lost 30-25. On the other one, there was at least one 10-8 round in Anderson's favor. Anderson whooped him, and whooped him cleanly. Okay, well, how the tables have turned. I have a few different thoughts about the main event. The first one I would say is, we were wrong about Corey Anderson, we were right about Corey Anderson. You know, heading into that Johnny Walker fight, people being so dismissive of him, and I was one of them, just wasn't the right look, and and he showed that he is much better than people's worst interpretations. But when we talk about him not being that upper bound guy in that division, you know, the truly elite ones, this is why we say that, right? Because he's clearly better than what his critics say. He's not as good as what his most ardent supporters say either. Uh, because Blahovich, by the way, who has been a dramatic improvement, I mean, what a difference, not only in the fight outcome. But just what he's turned in, That aside from that one loss to Tiago Santos last year, man, he has been such an improvement. I think a lot of people thought he was just another rando European guy who was going to come and go, and that was just going to be the end of it. No, sir. He is an elite UFC light heavyweight. He has earned that distinction, and this win isn't the reason, but the totality of his wins uh, in particular more recently have just been total proof of that. Um but in terms of Corey Anderson, we were wrong about him in terms of his lowest level ability. We were right about him in terms of his upper bound abilities. But let's focus on Jan Blahovich because not only did he get the win, he immediately walks over to uh, to John Jones's uh, what do you want to call it position outside of the cage. He was there in attendance and began to flex on him, and John seemed to respond in kind. So now the question becomes, what would you rather see? Would you rather see John fight Jan Blahovich, or would you rather see John rematch against Dominic Reyes? Now, of course, floating out in the ether is still the Stipe Miocic possibility or something else at heavyweight. And, of course, given how things go at UFC 248 with Israel Adesanya, he could, if you obviously beat Joel Romero, he could potentially fight John Jones. Although, you saw again... Uh, shouts to the boys at Submission Radio down in Australia. They have a podcast they, and, and, you know, a, a YouTube uh, channel and everything. They ha- interviewed Eugene Behrman, and apparently Israel Asanya, like if they beat Yoel Romero, they got their sights set on Stipe. You might be like, a middleweight to a heavyweight? I'm just telling you what they're saying, so keep that in mind. But let's center our conversation on uh, Blahovich and Reyes. 
I know a lot of folks have their own opinions about it. And to be honest, I don't really think that there is a wrong answer on this one, right? Because let's start with Blahovich for just a second. Man, he has just improved. He has really just radically, radically improved. And it's not just because he knocked out um, Corey Anderson at UFC Rio Rancho, although that's part of it. Uh, but it's just because of what he has become. I mean, this was a guy who was, you know, early in his UFC tenure, was he did beat Ilir Latifi, but he lost to Manoel. He lost to Corey Anderson the first time. First time he lost to Corey Anderson, he lost 30-27 on two judges' scorecards, lost to Patrick Cummings, lost to Gustafson. Now, a couple of those are really good fighters. Um, several of them are really good fighters, but, uh, you know, he just, you were like, okay, well, he's not that level. He's going to beat the Igor Prokayaks of the world. He's not going to beat anybody really good. And then, okay, he did lose to, to Tiago Santos, fair play, but he beats Nikita Krilov, stops him, beats Jimmy Manoa, gets his revenge, beats Jared Cannonier, and finishes off Devin Clark. Then he retires, like literally retires, Luke Rockhold. Had a terrible fight against Jacques Array, but he came out on the winning side of things and now got revenge over Corey Anderson. I mentioned a four-fight stretch. Patrick Cummings, Gustafson, Anderson, and Manoa. He's avenged two of those losses, and another guy's just not in the sport anymore. Would you like to see Jan Blahovich fight? By the way, Gustafson had to out-wrestle him, not out-strike him, number one. Uh, number two, it was a three-round fight. Number three, would you would you like Blahovich's chances over Patrick Cummings at this point? Because I would. I mean, this is my point. He has radically, radically improved, and he has done it a little bit in his mid to, to honestly, kind of late 30s here. Not easy to do. And he did it. I take my hat off to him. That's a real improvement, and that should be absolutely acknowledged. We are acknowledging it here on this show. But to me, I don't think you can answer this question without establishing a bit of a greater context. I noticed something at Rio Rancho. Yes, I noticed how good Blahovich has gotten. I, I give him credit for it. I give him credit for getting out there and selling it after beating Anderson in the way that he did, quickly, by the way. Getting out out there and 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 trying to make his case opposite John Jones, fair enough, fair play to him. But I noticed something else about the fan base that kind of caught my attention. There's a general concern, not merely in MMA or even sports media, but just media generally, that the amount of news and the churn of the cycle, it makes it impossible for anyone to really focus on anything in any kind of a lengthy way, right? The Washington Post publishes a story about how through Democrat and Republican establishments um, and presidencies, all of them lie to the American public about the war in Afghanistan, and it barely was a blip on the radar because something else just happened. There could be some kind of scandal for some kind of political office, local, national, whatever, People pay attention for five days, if that, and then they're gone. Something else just happens behind it. Some kind of natural disaster happens in some kind of far reach of the world, but then something else happens and replaces it. There's there's just this inability to focus on anything because there's this wave of information getting ready to crash into the shore right behind it. And so the question is, what does this mean for... Um, public accountability, what does this mean for how news should be delivered? There's all kinds of interesting questions that go into it. On the sports side of things, there are real implications of this effect. Namely, it is going to be harder for losing fighters in controversial decisions to get the rematches. Because the very next week, 
or usually sometime in, in close proximity, there's going to be another event. There's going to be a new contender who emerges. There's going to be a, a new reality, and everyone can just look the other way. You just kind of forget about what happens. I mean, look at what John Jones was doing. He was actually helping to facilitate that. It's absolutely his right to do that. But he and his team were sitting there cage side, which, of course, I mean, there's nothing wrong with what they did. But they were sitting cage side, really kind of hamming it up with Jan Blachowicz after he wins. Because to me, it's like, I, I don't think that they really wanted that, that, Riaz, that Reyes rematch. I don't think that they want it. And that's an interesting thing to not want because that is, in my judgment, maybe you would disagree. I don't think so. But if you had to ask which one is going to be more financially lucrative, an immediate rematch, so Jones versus Reyes 2, or Jones versus Blahovich? Hard to argue that Jones versus Blahovich is going to make him more money. Um, and I don't think that Blahovich is any kind of an easy out. I don't think he should be disrespected. But my, my thought is that he probably thinks he's done with Reyes, and if he doesn't have to walk into that bear trap again, he's not going to. Not anytime soon, anyway. So why not take on somebody fresh? That's his right to do, but to me, he's kind of signaling, I'll take the fight that's going to make me less money, but probably a little bit less threatening. Now, maybe that's an improper calculation, but I think that's the one he's making. But everyone's just kind of moved on. Not everyone, but a lot of people. And honestly, what was one of the problems with the Jones and Reyes controversy? It wasn't that you couldn't find a scorecard for either guy, because you could. It was that all night you had really bad judging. There was no judge that gave Reyes three of two rounds. That seems weird. Understandable, but a little weird. Like, not one of them came to that conclusion. And the one that gave John four didn't give James Krause the first round and gave Andre Ewell all three. Here's the point. The point is not that Jan Blahovich is not deserving of a title shot, because on the merits, you can give him one. You can. Would it really be a crime if they gave Jan Blahovich a title shot? For crying out loud, the guy's 36. If he's not going to get one now, when is he going to get? And who's he supposed to fight next? I mean, I guess you could say winner of Smith versus Teixeira. Okay. Maybe he could fight, you know, Dominic Reyes if Jones goes to heavyweight. All right. I mean, it's not that there's nothing they could do for him. But, man, you could make a good case for Jan Blahovich. I'm not saying you can't. What I'm saying is, in addition to making it hard for contenders to make their outrage and their perceived injustice last through media cycles, this is how commissions get away with this. Because at UFC 247 two weekends ago, 10 days or so, yeah, it was Texas. And Texas had a really bad night. But then one week later, it's New Mexico. New Mexico didn't really have that bad of a night. There were some weird DQs and stuff. In terms of judging, they more or less got it right. And then this next weekend, it'll be UFC Auckland. And then after that, you know, not too far from there, I think it's, what is it, UFC 248, it's not too far from there. Uh, there's maybe something in between as well that I'm missing. But you get the idea. There's just this row of events like until April. Incompetent commissions count on you just kind of forgetting about it. Because a new contender emerges in a new event, in a new state, where there isn't the same kind of bad judging. And they just know UFC will go back to Texas, not anytime soon, but not too far from now. And you'll have a negative thing to say about Texas. But the, the urgency that you felt, many of you felt, 
after UFC 247, these commissions count on the news cycle to bail them out. This is how it happens. So if you want to call in and say at 877-FIGHT-93 that you believe on the merits Blahovich deserves a title shot, I can honestly understand that. But it better not be because the news cycle has just moved and you've you ever go to the beach and you get in the water and you can feel the current underneath your feet, but it's not all that strong. And you play in the water, you know, as you were if you were a kid, and then you look up and all of a sudden you've just shifted over 50, 60, 100 feet. And you're like, how did I get over here? Dude, because the current, when you weren't paying attention, just slowly kind of pushed you in that direction. That's what this is. So if you want to say it's because this person deserves it and this is why they deserve it, I will hear your case. If it's just because, well, we should all move on. No, 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 no. That is how incompetent judging, partly the reason, not in totality, but it's a big reason why, in part, these rules never get fixed because we all just keep getting amnesia. We all just say, what's really going to change? I need to focus on the next event that's happening, and that's what I'm going to do. And that's how people like Dominic Reyes, who six, seven days ago, People were screaming bloody murder in defense of what had happened, uh, rather in defense of uh, him getting another opportunity, who are now like, yeah, but then Blahovich wins and whatever. No, 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 no. No. Don't let bad commissions off the hook because of the current of the news cycle. Either Reyes deserved one last week and you argued for it, or he didn't. And if you didn't, that's, that's consistent too. That's fine. But don't be the one to change just because Blahovich won. If you believed it last week, it's because you believed there was an injustice that needed to be fixed, irrespective of what was going to happen between Blahovich and Anderson. I cannot allow for bad commissions to be let off the hook because of the weight of the news and how it pushes through. That is how nothing ever gets fixed. Sirius XM Fight Nation celebrates Black History Month every weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern on The Ock and Barack Show. All month long, the show reflects on the life and legacy of different influential African-American athletes. Such icons as Muhammad Ali. Hey, I'm the king of the world. Kobe Bryant. You guys will always be in my heart. I love you guys. Jackie Robinson. Robinson dashes to the plate. Safe. And more will be recognized for the impact they made both in and out of sports. The Ock and Barack Show. Weekdays noon till 3 Eastern. Only on Sirius XM Fight Nation. Your co-main event of UFC Rio Rancho, Diego Sanchez versus Michelle Pereira. Pereira had kind of dialed back. By the way, is it Pereira or Pajaya? Here's how it was explained to me. It was explained to me that if a word starts with R or if there's two R's connected in the middle of the word in Portuguese, it becomes an H. His name is not spelled that way, so I've been saying Pereira, but I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's Pereira. I'm pretty sure it's Pereira. Because DC was like, it's Pajaya, but I'm like... How? Mm. Every single time I've ever seen that name, it's Pereira. All right. So let's say it's Pereira. He had dialed back some of the antics. There was a little bit of jumping off the cage. I think there was one backflip. There was a couple of like, like rolling thunders from Diego. Um, but he was Diego was losing, and he was losing quite handily. Um, he didn't cut any weight, and Michelle Pereira looked huge. For welterweight, just an enormous welterweight. And obviously, he's super bricked up and athletic to begin with. Um, so, Diego is losing two rounds to none. 
think his corner might have told him he was up around. He wasn't up around. I mean, there's just no way. So they go to the third, and Diego gets hit against the fence and I think dropped with like a body shot over in the clinch. And then on his knees, he takes an illegal shot to the head, and a knee to the head. It cut him open, kind of, kind of like not right at the hairline, but a little bit south of the hairline. It was pretty bad. And um, in any event, um, they stop the fight, or they halt it temporarily. J- referee Jason Her- Herzog is asked by Diego multiple times, you know, can you continue, can you see? And he was asking, Diego was, you know, if I if this fight is called off, uh, you know, do I win or do I lose? Which kind of gives you a hint of like how he was playing his hand on this one. Um, Herzog didn't tell him. Just said he was going to follow commission protocol. Eventually, Diego says, I, I think he even said, I can't see. I don't know exactly what he told him. But they waived it, which means Diego was declared the winner. Now, it has obviously caused a bit of controversy. Because the question is, and this is what I mean going back to this that stupid-ass remark that Stephen A. Smith said about, like, oh, do, you know, Cowboy Cerrone looked like he didn't want to be there. Well, maybe. I mean, after he's getting bombed on in the face, maybe. Um... You know, he, he he looks like he gave up. Well, sort of. I mean, he couldn't fight back after being bludgeoned. It's not the same as quitting. And people are like, oh, what, you can't say a fighter ever quit? Well, no, I do think, quite matter-of-factly, Amir Khan quit against Bud Crawford. I've said that. Uh, and it seems pretty clear to me that Diego quit here as well. Now, the question is, does that matter? To me, it's less a question of, did he quit? In fact, Diego's kind of telling you, it was. he even said it was a veteran move to not keep the fight going. I don't even think he's telling you he didn't quit. He did. He quite he quite obviously did. But the question is like, what does that mean? And is that should that be disreputable for this guy? I'm of somewhat mixed feelings, but not like other people. I, I, I will get to the bad part in a second. Let me talk about the part where I don't have mixed feelings. Amir Khan quit against Bud Crawford, but his his pay was locked in. I mean he didn't get a win and then a show split. He got a flat fee. Diego didn't have that luxury. He was going to get half of his money at age 38. He's at the very end of his career. Last guy on Ultimate Fighter 1. I think Ben Folks from The Athletic had brought this up. Um, if he was going to get paid, this the best way to do it was to, to not have the fight continue. Right? Because they were going to split his purse. This is prize fighting, folks. You can take that Bushido shit and shove it where the sun don't shine. It's not that I don't believe in the martial arts way and teachings of humility and teachings of winning honorably and competing honorably. Of course I do. But when you're 38 and you've had money stolen from you, and maybe you partly had a hand in that and just not managing your money right, but you're at the end here and all you got to do is say no and you get to double your money at the very end of your career, you can understand why somebody might do that. Second of all, if there is anybody who has shown himself to be an absolute warrior against his own physical safety time and again, year in, year out, across numerous weight classes, it is Diego Sanchez, man. There are so many times this guy has kept going when it was against his interest. He got walloped in the BJ Penn fight and just tried to keep going. I thought he lost the Martin Campman fight. I mean, his face was falling off, and he just kept going and kept going and kept going. It was an unbelievable demonstration of grit and will, and determination against, I thought, in terms of technical superiority, he was in there overmatched against Martin Kamen, okay? 
So it's like, are you really going to say that this guy is soft? Really, Diego Sanchez? Good luck making that argument. You know, in the totality of his career, he's been anything but that. But to me, this is what stands out in all of this. The rational incentive to take the extra money because your purse is split in favor of the promoter, which is, by the way, that's how that works. So the promoter sets it that way so they can pay less. And obviously incentivize action. Did it look like incentivize action to him? You know, did quite the opposite. Okay, but neither here nor there. I'm not here to litigate that part. It's the part about whether, the, you know, I've seen some people like, oh, it's a cowardly way to handle things. And that's right. It wasn't, well, I'm not calling it cowardly, but he didn't uphold himself um, in the highest level of honorable ways to handle competition. But that guy has been doing that for nearly 15 years. So to me, the takeaway is not that he is some coward because he's not. To me, the takeaway is not that he is some kind of, you know, um, menace in there who's willing to take an out any way he can for the cheapest check, like a Bob Sapp. I don't, I don't, I don't take that either. I don't, I don't view it that way, at all, dude. You've got too many years of him doing not merely the opposite, but the like the highest version of the opposite. He had a momentary. Spot of weakness, I think, is the way I would look at it. And the question is why? And this is my takeaway. My opinion about Diego's toughness has not changed. My opinion about Diego's honorability as a competitor has not changed. Now, if he does this again or something like it, well, then we have to reevaluate things. But a one-time moment I don't think should undo all the good work and goodwill he's earned. What I think counts is the state he's in, the greater context in which he is operating. He actually left Jackson's years ago. Folks may not remember that. I think when they brought in GSP at the time, he decided to split Jackson's and he moved to California and trained with the Hibero brothers, Sean G and Saulo. And his jiu-jitsu got really good out there. I mean, he always had pretty good jiu-jitsu, but it got really good out there. Now, maybe that wasn't the best place for him in terms of like an MMA camp. But, dude, the Hibero brothers are two of the greatest jiu-jitsu competitors, gi and no gi, ever. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like he was training with chomps, man. He was training with real martial artists of extreme ability. Now, maybe somewhat limited in terms of what he needed for an overall MMA camp. But, again, at least he was with real athletes, real competitors, real combative professionals. Okay? Um, and then eventually he went back. Now, I don't know... If the current bridge has been burned to Jackson's, maybe there's no going back. I don't know anymore. You'd have to ask those folks over there what the situation is, and maybe he doesn't want to go back. What I do know is we have understood Diego to be this guy who fights balls out every time, maximum effort, no quit, no shortcuts, none of that. If he's taking them, something has gone wrong. And to me, he is with this trainer who, in my judgment, is clearly out of his depth. He's the only corner man that he's got. They've got, you know, a commission-appointed um, cutman in there with him. But in terms of getting corner advice and strategy and training, this is his only real coach. He is not putting Diego in the best position to win. He is not getting the most out of Diego. In fact, to me, Diego is making choices about how to compete 
that he never would have made before. I don't think I don't think two, three, four, five, certainly any long pat long pat, or any pat point past that, you would have ever gotten Diego to make a choice like that. Ever, ever, ever. Even if you want to rationalize it and say the promoter split his money, he got double the money at the end of a deal, or sorry, at the end of a fight on a brand new deal at the end of his career. Fine, fine. I won't even argue that point. I, I, good for him. Whatever he's making, triple it because he's not making enough. But my only point is, like, dude, how do we get Diego Sanchez from a point where he would have never made this choice before to where he's making it? It's because, to me, he is being – and he listen, to what extent you want to blame him for it too, for guiding his own career in this particular path, you can. But to me, he has people around him who are not capable of preparing him for a fight, which means he's going to be end up – maybe he would have lost to Michelle Pereira no matter what because, hey, he is 38 years old and Pereira is like a, you know, this big physical dynamic fighter. Okay, fine. But did that look like a Diego Sanchez even from, I don't know, three, four fights ago, five fights ago? Not to me. He didn't look he didn't look adequately prepared at all. Why is he even fighting in this weight class? Oh, he doesn't want to cut weight. Well, dude, they're not putting you in a best position to win. They're not doing solids by you. They're not getting you ready. They're not giving you good corner advice. God knows what kind of training he's getting. God knows what kind of ideas they are filling his head with, the pseudo-intellectual nonsense. And as a consequence, you're getting a very diminished version of Diego who is calculating and reasoning through situations that maybe you can say are fine given the circumstances, but they're so aberrant compared to what he normally would do. He's been down on cards before. Dude, BJ Penn walloped that guy. Now, he never got hit with an illegal shot, but he never – Diego Sanchez was just fighting tooth and nail in that one until, um, you know, he, he gave everything he had. He gave everything he had in that fight. And it wasn't enough, and that's fine, but, you know, he was he was as ready as he was going to be. Did Diego look like he was as ready as he was going to be to you? I barely recognized him from his fight style. I could hardly tell what strategy he was employing. It made no sense. So to me, if you want to say he quit, I don't even know how you could argue. That's not the point. This is not his first fight in the UFC. He's not only been here a year. You know Diego. You know what kind of fighter he is. You know what he's made of. He's shown you his heart before. So if he had a rational incentive to double his money at the end of his career, fine. But that's not the mystery to me. The mystery to me is how did we get a fighter who showed up not ready to compete against this guy, even close, whether he should even be in this weight class, barely fighting up to anything you could recognize as a Diego Sanchez level, and then making choices, forced into a terrible choice that's, you know, double your money and then get criticized or keep going and keep getting bludgeoned. And then making the choice that, however rationally you might want to say it is, is just one you couldn't imagine him making four or five years ago. Yeah, age has something to do with it. Fine. Maybe he shouldn't be fighting at this level anymore. Fine. You can't tell me that's the Diego Sanchez you've known. Something has changed, and we can look around him and say that has to be a big contributor to it, and that is putting him in these kinds of situations. You know, Kurt Osiander always says, people always ask, how do you get out of a triangle? 
Well, the answer is, if you're caught in a triangle, man, you effed up a long time ago. If you're at 170 fighting this enormous person, you barely look like yourself in terms of your 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 well-regarded abilities. I'm not saying he's some championship-level fighter, but I'm saying he's a pretty good wrestler. He's got some skills. He's got some abilities out there. Dude, it used to be the joke that Diego Sanchez, like in the Martin Campman fight, wouldn't even land, but his activity with throwing would kind of confuse the judges. Did that look like the case to you? He used to be before this guy who had a, had a judge-friendly style. Now where are we? So it, to me, it, it's, it's the same thing Osiander said. If you're caught in that point, you messed up a long time ago. Before that first bell ever rang, before Herzog, whoever the referee was, yeah, Herzog, started that fight, things were messed up a long time before that. And that, to me, is in addressing that. That is the key culprit. Because you're going to have a, I don't care that he quit. It doesn't mean anything to me. What I care about is, are we getting Diego Sanchez ready to compete against these kinds of challenges? Because if he's not ready, I don't care who they give him next in that weight class. He's going to be a UFC fighter. And in all likelihood, this is not the last kind of a beating that Diego's going to take. What happens when the next guy doesn't throw an illegal shot? Now where are we? This is what we want to see, a Diego who's unprepared for overmatched challenges? Nah, not me. No thank you. The Luke Thomas Show is your one-stop destination for MMA. If you're in a UFC title fight and you get finished in the first round, yo, you lost. Sports. I cheer for loser teams. As well as pop culture and entertainment. No matter what Star Wars comes out, I'll just find a way to like it. No. The Luke Thomas Show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on your home for combat sports. Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 and the Sirius XM app. Now included free for most subscribers. So yesterday, I get here's the thing. I've been saying this too. This is what people don't get about Colby Covington Stick. You can like it or you can hate it, but the fact that he has made himself something of a Trump mascot or like a MAGA mascot means that he is pulling an audience in, if he can do it successfully, and I think he has, of people who love that kind of thing, people who are supportive of the current president and his uh, that movement, so to speak. And he's going to draw in a lot of detractors, people who aren't. But, you know, the president has had him at the White House. He stayed at Trump at the invitation of the Trumps. They came and met him. He got a call from the president when he won against Robbie Lawler. That's a real thing. That is going outside of the media bubble. Um, Now, Henry Cejudo has borrowed a lot of the same shtick, not the MAGA part, but just the same kind of juvenile shtick. And I like Henry. He's an unbelievable champion. That win over Marlon Moraes was just incredible. It It was completely incredible. But the reality is that shtick he's doing, it's not good for anything. You really think that that's going to make him a bunch of money? It's not. Like, it's good for – and this is barely. It's good for making the rounds in the MMA media ecosystem and nothing else. That's it. It's not good for anything else. And I got news for you. If you think that calling a black guy whose name is Aljamain, if you think calling him Aljamaima is okay – uh, maybe Henry did it because he just made a mistake and he didn't think twice about it. I tend to think that if you just trend into this territory where you're putting on for effect some kind of character who's into juvenile insults, you're going to eventually trip up. Fair enough. Maybe he just made a mistake. You know, and, and Henry has probably faced racism in his own life. I don't think Henry's a bad guy. I think he made a mistake. Okay, but 
if you think that calling uh, Al Jermaine that in reference to Aunt Jemima, dude, if you think that is okay, you're one of the people out there reacting being like, that's not racist because Karen Bryant said, yo, that's super racist. When has Karen Bryant ever accused anybody of doing that in all these years? I don't think she's ever done it. If so, very rarely. Dude, it's crazy racist to do that. Super inappropriate. Super. People are going to say mean things to each other. You can say mean things without getting into that territory, man. Or say it and just own it. Yep, yep, I said super racist stuff. What are you going to do about it? Right? Just, Just recognize. But don't get up here and tell me it's not, like, outrageously racist. Because it is. Okay, and I you know, there's the, I, I I say it all the time. What, people who call on the show, I love them. People who I meet at the shows, they're great. A lot of the people I deal with online, they're great too. But there's a corner and a segment of MMA fans, and I'm not going to mince words. I'm not one of these guys who gets out here and tells the audience everything that they want to hear. That are deranged. These are demented people who, in my 14 years of covering the sport, have never once agreed that any time any fighter crossed the line with racially insensitive remarks, that they were, in fact, racially insensitive. Oh, except for Cain Velasquez's brown pride tattoo. That's about the only time you can find them rallying around. Why? Because it's just white grievance put together as a political idea and expressed through their own fandom in MMA. These are the same people that think only minorities practice Uh, identity politics. They're doing it themselves and they don't even have the goddamn awareness to say as much. Dude, if y'all want to be in on this dumbass juvenile shtick, at least have the good sense to recognize the difference in what Colby does, which is reaching so far outside of MMA he can raise his profile in a unique and interesting way. You don't have to like it, but at least acknowledge the difference. Henry Cejudo is good for making the rounds on small MMA websites and then getting himself into trouble with outrageous shit like this. It doesn't need to happen. I recognize it was probably a mistake. Don't defend it, because it's not defensible. Thanks for listening. Catch The Luke Thomas Show live and in its entirety, weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. On Twitter, follow at LThomasNews and the channel at MMA on Sirius XM.